Welcome back to the You Can't Too podcast. On today's show from Chicopee, Massachusetts, then to LA, host of the Bearded Man podcast, helping people stay on track by optimizing their time. We have Bobby Hobart on the show. Bobby, thank you. Let's for go, me. baby. What, what, what episode number is this going to be? This is probably going to be oh, probably 130 or so or around there. 130. Yeah, My yeah, man's yeah. put in the numbers. <laughs> 100%. Dude, props to you, bro. That's amazing. Absolutely. I appreciate it, brother. 130 is no joke. I, I can, I remember when I hit the 100 benchmark of my first podcast, Purpose in the Youth, and uh, yes, it just felt incredible to hit that number. And, you know, I, I don't know if people really understand how much work you're probably doing behind the scenes to make this show what it is. So props to you, man. Seriously, keep that momentum going. It's going to keep opening up doors for yourself. Thousand percent, brother. And I appreciate you. And then I was listening to a podcast to do some research for for you. And I was thinking about it. And, and, about the documentation, about the way that you post content in, in general, but also you've been on so many podcasts, you've been surrounded in this in this game for a long time. You've been a huge inspiration for me when it comes to like even thinking about documenting. And I know that you took that from a lot from Gary V, but like I remember starting this podcast in my car with no microphone in freezing cold weather. It's like if I was able to document that to where I am now, and I, it's I'm so grateful that you're on the pod and um, that. You've just been posting so much content, man, because you're inspiring so many people. And and I'm curious to even start this off, man. You went from 2016 to 2022. You grew your Instagram to around 5,000 followers, and <laughs> and, it, and it's 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 crazy. It, it's crazy to see because in, in last time we spoke too, it's like a lot about we talk so much about consistency, man. Almost at 100,000 followers, you're about almost 300k on on TikTok now, man. What are the less obvious reasons that you found success? Say that one more time because I think it might have skipped. Say that one more time. Yeah. What are the less obvious reasons that mm. you found success? Okay. I heard I heard you correctly. Um wow. That's such a good question. Um I unfortunately feel like the answer is the obvious answers. It's everything that you hear from time and time on every podcast, mm -hmm. from every person you're inspired by, for every in person that somebody's listening and, and is inspired by. It's all about the consistency, the accountability, the discipline, the, the, the mindset to keep going, right? You hear these things so many times and you just, you hear it, but you're like, all right, I've heard it enough times, Gary Vee, how many more times do I have to hear it until I start to see that success? Yeah. And it's almost like you need, you know, I think the less, the, I think to answer your actual question, it's the being a delusional optimist. Charlie it. Rocket talks about that all the time. And I just saw him give a TED talk the other, a couple weeks ago here in LA and he, and he was talking about that. And I was like, that's actually like a really strong aspect of like making it in any capacity of whatever your dreams or goals are. And I think you hear people preach, including myself, like, you know, you need to be positive, but I think the, 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 ob the, the obvious reason that people don't really realize is the delusional aspect of the positivity. So I really, it's, it really is an interesting time that we we're doing this podcast because like you called out, you know, for the first five or six years of my creative career, 5,000 on Instagram, even in the last three or four months, there's this hyper growth on TikTok for me and in, and, and my Instagram. And those are all really incredible metrics because at the end of the day, it's like credibility and people take you more seriously because you have the numbers, but right. I'm the same dude, brother. Like the, I've been saying the same things. I've been preaching the same things. And now it's like all of a sudden people care and it's actually working. And 
I like, I can only speak. There's going to be people that hear this episode, but I can only speak to you. Right. Yeah. And I'm telling you right now, let this conversation be the constant reminder. Maybe, maybe this conversation will be the Gary V that I, that I'm always res- like reciting in my head of all the things he said. I hope this conversation for you is that, 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 thing you can go back to when you need it the most, when you feel like giving up, when you're not seeing the numbers on your podcast, when you're testing new concepts and nobody's giving a shit. Like, I hope this conversation is like the thing that you think about where you're like, no, I really want to give up. But I remember that conversation with Bobby and I'm going to keep going because I'm literally just one podcast, one post, one DM, one email. I'm truly just one step away from like everything changing. And I've just have kept going, man. Uh, I, I kind of veered around the question because it your question is actually so good that I, I don't even know. I don't even know, like, I don't even know how to answer it because it's, it's everything that you hear is so true. And yeah. I think it just takes, you need to hear it a thousand times for it to finally click uh, for some people. It's so, so true. And I think that as, as a coach, you probably understand this a lot with, with clients. It's like, it's not that they don't have the information, but they, we, they constantly need to hear it again. We need to be reminded more than we need to get more of something I feel. And, and to, to reiterate what you said there last time we spoke and it was just like us really just catching up meeting. And you were just pretty much saying uh, essentially what you said, and you've grown immensely since then Mm. it's the consistency. And it's like Mm -hmm. at, at, Every single point of my journey, the only thing that I can rely on is my consistency. I mean, I have the talent. I mean, I have the information. I mean, I have everything else that I need. But the one thing that I have control over, and I think that you mm. speak a lot about this, we can we can only focus on what we can control. And the consistency is one thing that it just has to happen, right? Mm. And, and I think the what you were saying there earlier, it's that del- delusional optimism. And I love Charlie Rocket through that. I found him probably last year or so. But listening to him speak, and what my mentor would say is that this unwavering faith. It's like, there's this mm-hmm. unwavering faith that if you just simply don't stop, there's no way you can fail because failing is stopping. And, mm-hmm. and I, and I, and I live through that, that, that belief. I, I know that, I mean, consistency is a big part in, in diving into that with 19,002 rides, right, man? Like my man did his research. Love to see it. Like, man, what, <laughs> I'm, I'm, what, what's the biggest lesson that you've learned from, from Uber and, and how were you able to pivot out of that into what you're doing today? That's really good. I think time management. That yeah. was the one thing that I learned where I was actually just prepping for uh, something this weekend where I'm going to be talking about like kind of the Uber days and time management. And I think Uber was the platform and opportunity for me to really hone in on my time management because yeah, the beauty of Uber, but no, I drove it for full time. As you said, 19,002 total rides. I was podcaster by day, Uber driver night for three years. That was literally how I paid my bills, college mm-hmm. loans, the whole nine. And the beauty of it was like, I could work when I wanted. So I prioritized my mornings to do my creative stuff, podcasts. And then I get on the road by 1, 2 PM every day and be done by 9, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night. So I was able to get the balance of building my creative career while also paying the bills. But I truly learned how to make every minute count because I knew that any moment that I was not driving, it was an opportunity cost that I'm losing money. I'm not losing money. But I'm missing out on a chance to make money, which was crucial at that point in time because not only was I trying to pay bills, but I was also trying to reinvest into this business and career and and equipment and all that good stuff. So I think Uber just really got me to be so mindful about what am I committing to my time? Who's, who am I committing to my time? You know, 
if I was going to meet up with somebody for coffee, in my mind, I started going, okay, 30 minutes to get to them. I'm at coffee for an hour. So that's 90 minutes. I could have made 30, 40, 50 bucks, whatever that was for Uber. And honestly, I started putting a price tag on everything. Oh, I wanted to go to some birthday party that night. Okay, four hours there. That's, you know, I might spend 50 bucks to on food on top of, I could have made $150. So do I value this opportunity as $200? I'm doing this in real time with every decision I'm making back then. And um, I think it just allowed me to get to this place where I end up creating a course around how to maximize your time because that is what has gotten me to where I am today. And I think that's that goes hand in hand with consistency. You need to understand how to manage your time to then allocate it to the things that are your priorities for you to consistently show up. Because I think the biggest reason people don't stay accountable or don't stay consistent is there's not enough time. That's what you always hear. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, that's valid. I get that. We're, we all have different situations in our lives, but you make time for the things that you want. And if that means you need to get up early, then get up early. Is that, if that, does that mean you need to skip out on a birthday party? We'll skip out on a birthday party. You have to make these hard decisions that in the moment, it may feel like nothing, but that decision times 10, 100, 200 times and making this small decision of, I'm not going to do this so I can do that. I'm not going to do this so I can do that. Mm-hmm. It stacks up to some major progress. So, man, if it, was, I, I, if it wasn't for Uber, I don't know if I would have learned time management 101. It's such a good speed because I was mindful of how to manage my time before that, but it wasn't until driving for them that I really figured that out. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love that you took that out of it because I think that a lot of people stay in a job that maybe they're not, they're not content with. And, mm. and, and that's the job they've been in, but they don't take the lesson from it. And I don't know where I got it, but man, as, as you were saying, everything that you were saying, I was, I was laughing because I literally do the exact same thing. It's like, mm. every time I think about doing something, I'm like, well, what's the opportunity cost? What am I, mm. what am I missing out on here? And, mm. and, and reading so many books on money mindset and all the different things, it's like, there's your, your, your time has a price tag on it. And when you see through that lens, it's a good thing, but it's also a bad thing in the same but also, sense. But also one thing I want to add too is you can, you can also do this opportunity cost yeah. for even just committing to things and events. So, you know, back then I'm in this scarcity mindset for money because truly I'm only make I'm making money on an hourly wage. And yep. it was, it, it was a lot of pressure to make sure I hit certain quotas. Right. Mm-hmm. Fast forward to today, I don't necessarily there there are, there are certain things where I'll look at like the cost of what it's going to cost to invest in this decision or whatever that looks like, but still to this day, I'll look at going committing to an event as my opportunity cost of going to this thing means I'm neglecting maybe going for an evening run, which is beneficial for my wellness, maybe that's having some solitude and stillness for myself. So Fast forward, it's still happening every single day. Every decision, committing to this podcast, committing to a coffee meetup earlier. Every decision I have to sit there and ask myself, is this going to be something that I'm proud to commit my, myself, my time to? And it's no disrespect to the person who's inviting me or whatever the opportunity is. It's just, is this something that aligns with me, that I'm excited for? And if not, then I should not do it. So... Even, you know, like I was saying, you fast forward to today and I'm still using that opportunity cost mindset because being on this podcast means I'm sacrificing working on a copy or sacrificing on a client call, sacrificing on a business decision. 
but it's not a sacrifice if I choose to want to be here. Mm-hmm. So that's how I've incorporated and still use it to, uh, to today. Yeah, I love that. And I think that a lot of the the optimizing your time as you speak so much about comes down to realizing the value of your time and, and, mm-hmm. and the value of like, like you said there, it's the opportunity cost. I'm curious, what are, I think that, like you said, every single person has a different uh, position in life that they're in and everyone is busy to some capacity, but there are principles that, that come down to time management and optimizing mm-hmm. your time. For you, what are those principles that, that continuously show up? Yeah, that's great. For me, it's, my mornings are sacred nothing is penetrating my, my mornings, man. Like that is the, that without the morning routine. And I feel like you hear this from time and time again. Yeah. For me, it's not about like, there's a certain routine that everyone needs to follow. It's about prioritizing things that matter most to you and doing it in the morning. Like I had a call with somebody last night who, you know, I, I'm not finding enough time to get in the gym. Like what's my, how do I do that? Well, I asked them like, when are you going to the gym? Well, at the end of the day, if I have the time, well, there's your problem. Mm-hmm. You got to prioritize in the beginning of your day so that it is a non-negotiable you show up. So a quick, a quick couple like uh, principles that I live by is like my morning routine, non-negotiable. That's when I'm knocking out meditation, working out, creative work, healthy breakfast. Um, that's where I really get my stillness for the day. Yeah, uh, I, I, I try not to have any calls before like 11 a.m. ideally. Um, so that gives me the morning, even like after the morning routine and I start the day, I can really like lean into like what I know is my creative hours in the morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, that means hard stop at 6 PM, sometimes a little bit earlier because I recognize anything later than that. And I'm just, the quality of my workflow is just not right. That means that, you know, another principle is like, I schedule these podcasts, like in the afternoon, we're doing this at 3 PM Pacific standard time. And that that works well for me because it's it's the time of day that I'm more conversational, analytical. Mm-hmm. I'm not really in my creative moment at this time, so that was done in this morning. Yeah. Um, that means getting into bed at the at the same time every night, nine thirty ish, being you know passed out by then. It's it's it really is beca- it's become a game of just like figuring out what hours do I enjoy doing certain things and then Mm -hmm. building boundaries to make sure that's exactly the thing that I'm doing during those hours for people. It can sound, it can sound very robotic or overwhelming, but there's something to be said about waking up every day and knowing where you're supposed to be and when, and when that happens is you're reducing your decision fatigue. So you're not like, do I want to work out now or do I want to work out later? Do I want to eat lunch at 11 a.m.? Do I want to eat lunch at 1 p.m.? All these little chatter conversations we have in our mind all damn day get eliminated. And when you can eliminate the small decisions, you really are allowed to just step in and fully focus on the highest level thinking and projects. You just show up so differently. So for me, that's that's just been crucial to evolving to who I am today is building those routines building boundaries around my time and making sure that I'm, I'm happy with every moment of the day. And if I don't feel like I'm in alignment, let's make a change or let's make sure that this doesn't happen again in the future. Yeah. Yeah. I really love the way that you, you, you express that. Cause I think that when it comes down to time management, it's like, you have to be intentional. I think that's that word I always go back to is like intentionality, because if you think about it, we have thousands of decisions we have to make a day. And if we can, schedule we time block the day before we get really clear on the the high priority tasks that we have to focus on it life becomes a lot more simpler i don't think life is i think life is it can be 
easier, but it's more focused on being simpler because we overcomplicate everything that we possibly can in this world. Mm. And yeah. so like, I think that that really comes down to, I want to take a, a ginormous step back to early age, Bobby, when you were in high school and you've seen Dylan Reese, your friend go from really seeing, you know, having, whether it's people laugh at him or really see like the, the phase of life where it's, the, it's the start you're, you're, you're seeing that happen. And then to see him travel the world into, in his music, what did mm. that spark in you? And, and, and how did that change the way that you view the world? My man doing his due diligence right here. Um, I, I, I gotta give full credit to Dylan, man. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for that guy. I, I have a legit tattoo on the back of my arm for this man, because that's how much he, he means to me. But it was interesting, man. Like he started making music when I was in eighth grade, maybe his freshman year of high school. And everybody was just talking hella shit. And I was with him through that early, those early years. I was his hype man at one point, go on stage with him. Um, I then was like his manager. That's such a like, <laughs> there was nothing to manage, but I was his manager. And, um, and then even when I was graduating college, I went on tour with them first, first tour. And just to see the process in real time of somebody starting something from scratch, getting a lot of resistance from people talking shit, telling him you shouldn't be doing this. You're terrible, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. To then, you know, starting to perform to then getting booked on tours to now touring nationwide. Like it, it showed me the blueprint of what I would need to do when I started my podcast career. Mm -hmm. uh, I knew that it was going to be a lot of hype in the beginning. And then it's going to be this long, slow marathon journey of me just hitting the ground running and, you know, just staying consistent. But it's just been, it's, it's truly been the, the, the blueprint, man, the blueprint of how to, I don't want to say make it, but to how, how to, how to like get really, experience with something mm -hmm. and uh if it wasn't for that man dude would not be who i am where i am because of him um and i hope you know I, I really do hope people can find those those examples in their life you're you're an example for people right now that you probably don't even realize outside looking in they know you directly and are like i see this man putting in the work with this podcast maybe i should do the thing that i really want to do and mm -hmm. It, it it has a ripple effect. You don't, you can't measure it right now, but I guarantee you someday, James, somebody's going to come up to you and be like, yo, you inspire me to do this. And it's going to be, it's just going to feel amazing. You're at, you never know how your actions are, are really impacting the people around you. Yeah, it really is a ripple effect. And I think that's what the, the hockey stick of you really with TikTok and Instagram and really the hockey stick of that mm. over that long period of time to really see that in fruition. It must've felt like truly amazing. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of dopamine there, and I mean, at the end of the day, it is consistency. It's falling in love with the 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 grind of of doing it every single day. Because regardless if you if that happened or if it didn't, I know that you would have stuck through and you would have continued on regardless. I wasn't. So, I, wasn't I wasn't stopping anytime soon, exactly. I was gonna die trying to find a way to get my voice out there in this world, and I, I wasn't. I wasn't gonna stop anytime soon. But when when that stock when that excuse me when that hockey stick does hit. I was literally just talking to somebody about this, uh, my roommate last night. And when it hits, it just adds more fuel to the fire that was already mm -hmm. a fur an inferno inside me. But now you're throwing even more gas and it's like, oh, we're, we're having some fun now. So nothing, nothing has changed. The mission and the, the, the reasons for why I do it have never changed.
yeah, they probably just get bigger day by day, right? For I know for me, that's that's everything. I mean, the analogy that Grant Cardone likes to use is that it's like putting wood in the fire. It's like every single action you take, every single habit that you incorporate is just putting wood in the fire, and it just makes it last a lot longer. And you have to keep putting wood in the fire; it's gonna yeah. it's gonna go out, right? Yes. After after graduating from one of the top business schools in Bentley, and mm. then going back to work with your uncle, how mm. did that feel? I can, um, my man. As you're saying that, I can visually feel and picture that moment. It's 8 p.m. I think it's like a Wednesday in the middle of June. It's 90 degrees in Massachusetts. It's humid. I'm watering plants. Yep. And my uncle in the garden center class, Grass Garden Center in Granby, Mass. And this is when, this is like a few weeks after graduation and the reality hits of like, you are back to square one like this is the first job i had when i was 12, 12 years old bobby yeah. Um, yeah 12 years young i'm now 22 with a very expensive college diploma in my back pocket and i'm back working for my uncle and it wasn't any disrespect to him it literally was just a question to myself where i was like where did i fuck up yeah. like why i'm telling you man it, it gives me like the chills when i think back on this moment because i was just so confused and at this point, I'm already telling myself I'm not getting a job, so you just get a job. And the podcast is barely an idea in my brain, but I'm like, I should do it. Um, I think I'm like a couple weeks away from going on tour with Dylan for that first tour. I was just so lost and scared and nervous, but also excited that I was, you know, kind of done with college. I was ready for that next that next chapter, and there's a lot of emotions, man. And I just somehow, some way, I don't know if it, if my parents deserve the credit or where I was raised, I just had this, even though with all those emotions that could have made myself or anyone fold and just say, screw it, I'm going to apply to a hundred jobs and take whatever I can get. I just, I told myself like, you're going to find a way. And, uh, that was a pivotal moment, man, to, to be back to square one after, experiencing what I experienced for the last four years in college and having a degree. And it was a lot, but it also, once again, it added fuel to the fire where I, I internalized it. And instead of letting it pull me down mm -hmm. and make me feel sad or, you know, on any other unwanted emotion, I let it be good internal pressure where I told myself, if you're going to make something happen, you got to make it happen. You had a good four years of partying and doing your thing, but the party has ended now it's time to get to work and figure that out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. And it, and it, it's it really is crazy to see because from twelve year old Bobby getting his first job, wants his first dollar, and then going back and then going back to <laughs> where you first started. It's like it, it's a it must have been a real position. Like your internal narrative must have been just overflowing with so many different thoughts, so many different things of like shame or guilt or stress or anxiety about the future. What did that look like to pivot out of that? How did you really? transform into where you are today? What was that first step? Yeah, honestly, I was in that, in that moment, I was kind of like feeling out a couple like business ideas. Uh, yeah. I still had the idea of doing the podcast, but I knew that wasn't going to monetize for myself anytime soon. So right. I was getting into my Gary V hustle. I was, I was looking up for things on Facebook of like, could I flip some things on the Pretty side? Good. I had done that when I was growing up. Yeah. Um, there was a, uh, entrepreneur, uh, that I had gotten introduced to who 
long story short, she had founded this company that was like a middleman for alcohol companies and mm -hmm. would and would run promo events for them in Western Massachusetts. So she was hyping me up that I was going to come on as a co-founder or a partner and that fell through. Uh, I got screwed out on that. So like, I just kept taking these steps of like, I don't know what the six month plan looks like. I don't know a year plan, but like in this moment, what do these opportunities look like? Mm -hmm. And when that fell through with the alcohol company, I was like, all right, like we really got to figure some shit out. Cause now I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And my buddy, uh, John, who I went to college with, he had just locked in a short term, two month lease in Boston for the summer because a lot of college kids leave for the summer. They, they will sublet. Okay. And he's like, yo, I got an extra bedroom with your name on it if you want it. And I was like, you know what? I could, I, I was driving Uber in college. So I knew I could make good money. And the summer before that, I also worked full time in Boston, just driving Uber and I made great money. And I was like, let me just go back for two months, get back into living in a city in Boston and let me see like what I what what comes along the way. And it, it got very clear that while I was there driving Uber again, um, I was still working on the podcast idea. That was starting to become like a reality. I worked with Dylan on the design, the title. I ordered podcast mics. I did all the small steps along the way uh, to the point where I launched the first episode, Purpose in the Youth, August 31st, 2016. And a week before that, I just, no, excuse me, like a, the the week after that, I ended up signing a one-year lease in Boston where I was like, all right, I'm running this podcast out of my apartment in Boston. I'm driving Uber full-time. I have no idea how long I'm going to drive Uber, but I'm going to sign a lease for a year. And when this this lease ends, regardless of where I am with this podcast, I'm moving to LA. I've always wanted to do it. I'm going to find a way. And whether somebody wants to come with me or not, I'll do it. And that was the beginning of what I didn't know to be a three-year journey of driving Uber and running a weekly podcast. It's crazy. It, 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 it's so crazy to think about how like all, all of our lives all create something that's, it's beautiful when you really, when you take a step back and look at our lives, like the, the moments where we feel at our lowest are the times where that hockey stick just happens. It just happens in every aspect of our life. I'm curious for you over the last couple of years, um, what has been the biggest most important habit that you've incorporated into your life? It's a really good question. So many come to mind, but I'm like yeah. <laughs> really trying to think about what is the one habit. I think it's, I think it's truly just dedicating to making fitness a lifestyle. Mm. Um, the other habit that came to mind immediately was meditation, but I, I do believe that working out will hit both physical and, and mental. Yeah. And yeah. I've even become a big fan of, of, uh, spiritual. yoga and that hits the spiritual aspect as well. So it's like a trifecta. That's amazing. Yeah. But I think when you, we forget that like our bodies are our vehicles and if you treat it like shit, it's not going to operate well. But if you do the work to, I'm not saying you need to build muscle, be super lean, but if you treat it the right way and you work, you know, you work out every day, you feed a good nutrition, you hydrate yourself, you might not feel it in the day-to-day -day right now, but if you stay consistent with that for six months, you're going to feel a difference. And I'm not saying that from a, I'm just theoretically guessing, I know, like, yeah. I know that my fitness 
has only increased over the last five or six years. Every year it's gotten better and it's rippled into everything else that I do. So I think if you can, no matter where you're at in your life, start carving out the time for fitness. And that might just be going for a walk around the block for you right now. That might be starting to jog. That might be running. That might be lifting weights, yoga, kickboxing, any cycling. It doesn't matter, but just getting in the habit of carving out consistent time for fitness every single day, five days a week, whatever. It, uh, it does have a domino effect. And I think that's been the most crucial habit that I've incorporated into my life that I think anyone can start incorporating today. A thousand percent. I'm in full support of that. A quote that I, and I know that you're, you're big on quotes, like reciting them, it just pops up. But, um, when, when you have, when you're healthy, you have a thousand problems when you're unhealthy you have one. And that's like, that's always in the background of like, if I don't feel like going to the gym, if I don't feel like going on a walk or going on a run, like whatever it is, like, I'm always reminded that I feel, I never feel like there's, there's times where I feel like going to the gym, but there's never a time where I leave the gym and I don't feel better. Yeah. There's just never a time and and, yeah. and, and it, it's never happened. And I think that even for me, like realizing that I could improve myself to begin with came through exercise. It was like, mm. I can, I have physical proof that this has changed my, the way that my body looks. So if I work on my mindset and I start doing uncomfortable things and get out of my comfort zone, then I can change my entire life. But it's like, it starts with your body. It starts with the physical activity. As you said, like meditation has been a huge game changer for me, but at the end of the day, um, physical exercise is mental and physical. Yeah. It's interesting too, because even fast forward to today, there's times when I'm in the workout, I'm like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to do this shit, but it's that continuous mental strengthening ability to just lean into it and say, you signed up for like, I have never, (laughs) this is a really aggressive statement, but I, I didn't really think about it until now that we're talking about it. Like, In the last two years, if I've signed up for a fitness class or committed to plans with someone, I've never missed it because it's just, I'm going to do it even when I don't want to do it because I know that I I know that 50% of the time I'm going to show up to the workout, I'm excited, excited, 50%, I won't be excited. That's a given. Maybe the numbers are different, Yeah. but I know 100% of the time that when I finish that workout, I'm going to be so happy that I did that. So I remind myself of that end feeling and I push myself to show up and do it. And it's had, uh, it's, it's, it's made all the difference in, uh, in how I felt on, a, on how I have felt in a day-to-day basis. Yeah. And it, it builds a lot of confidence as well. When you, when you keep the promises that you make to yourself, I believe through, through your, through your journey, I mean, you've created a lot of success prior to even really having this expansive, um, point in, in, in TikTok and Instagram, you've still found a way to create so much leverage in the position that you've been in. Mm. I'm curious whether it's networking or it's whatever that is. I'm curious, what do you feel has had the biggest impact on your growth, both personally and professionally? Easy. And you're seeing it right now as a podcast host, running my own podcast was the best decision because it gave me access to so many individuals that I never would have built friendships with had it not been for having this tool of podcasting. So what most people can't measure in that first six years of podcasting was analytically, somebody might be like, oh, he's got 5,000 followers, big deal. Or he's only getting X amount of downloads on his podcast, big, no big, like, okay, so what? But what what you couldn't measure was the relationship building that I was was building along the way. Mm -hmm. Mind you, when I started in 2016, podcasts were a thing, but I didn't know 
anybody that was starting a podcast. And so it actually, I don't want to say made it easier for me, but when I would reach out to people, a lot of times they were like, yeah, I haven't been invited onto a podcast before. I would love it, but I listen to podcasts, right? So I was getting access to people because I was providing experience of something that nobody was asking them about or they had Mm -hmm. never been on before. So yeah, it it became the networking tool to get my, my foot in the door to meet a lot of incredible people. And that's like what got me to where I am today is just purely relationships, planting seeds, watering it, letting it grow, not overstepping it. It's really been just being patient with these, these relationships or these friendships. And uh, it's been amazing. I mean, even one of my roommates who I live with now, uh, I met him through podcasting in 2018. So you want to talk about not knowing how the dots are, are going to connect forward. It, it's a, it, it, it's been amazing to see some of these, some of these people that I just met for a podcast turn into lifelong friendships, people I work out with, people that I vacation with or whatever. It's, it's been pretty surreal to see that actually um, grow into what it, it has. And like I said, you, you can't measure it. There's nobody mm-hmm. that will fully understand it, but I know deep down that is, that has been the most important part of my creative process. The analytics on TikTok. IG, great. The numbers are, I love it. Great. Awesome. Keep growing. Let's go. Let's go. But it's the friendships and the people I met along the way that if it wasn't for them, I would have stopped. I think I would have stopped. I'm almost positive. I would have stopped a long time ago because they became the fuel to the fire and they became my network that was encouraging me to keep going. Yeah, man. It's, it's, it, it truly is one of my favorite men or one of my mentors would is said a, a quote that I really kind of encapsulates what you said there is everything that you want in life is on the other side of a relationship you haven't built yet. And so when I think about that, it's like my, my way of connecting with people, like I meet at one new person every single week. And it's like, this is so sick. I'm providing value for other people. I'm Mm -hmm. learning in the process. And then I'm building connections along with that. It's like, there's, it's a trifle. It's, I've never been so more fulfilled than in podcasting. It's the coolest thing in the world. I'm curious for you, you've from going from having Lewis Howes as one of your biggest mentors into like, starting a podcast to having mm. him on your podcast to mm. meeting Gary V in, in the middle of an Uber driver, uh, to meeting, uh, Kendrick Lamar on a run. <laughs> like you've, you've met so many astounding people throughout your journey. I'm curious what the biggest lesson that you've learned or something that just is always in the forefront of your mind. Maybe it's a quote, maybe it's just a, a conversation that shows up for you. Mm. That's really good, brother. You guys, great questions. Appreciate that. Man. I don't. I don't know how to describe it, but it it it, it it's two. I mean, the three, three, two out of actually, wow, all three people that you just called out are great examples. Like I locked in the podcast with what people don't know is I locked in the podcast with Lewis Howes six eight weeks before we recorded it, and I'm running in Venice Beach, California in between when we booked it and when we were supposed to record it. And I ran into him and instead of just like running by him and be like, Oh my God, that was Lewis. Like I stopped and had a full conversation with him. I see Kendrick Lamar. He's running at me. I'm running at him. I stop. I literally slow down. I say, yo, you're Kendrick Lamar. He's like, yes. I'm like, I literally say to him, I don't know why, but I go, can I, can I run with you? Can I turn around? He said, absolutely. So I flip around Gary V on the side of the road. I see him in front of me like a maniac. I hawk my horn. I grab my hair. I go, holy fuck, it's Gary V. He can see me mouth it through the 
the the windshield, right? Yeah. So all those moments, it's the same theme. See somebody that I care about, I want to get to know, and I take that initiative to just say, screw it. I'm going to go up. I'm going to shake their hand. They might tell me to F off. They might tell me to keep moving. They might ignore me. But you still got to take that shot to just say something and throw yourself out there. And uh, I think that's like one lesson that I've learned through all of these people that I've met is you have to ask. Even last week launching this new uh, video course I put out, I sent a text to about 50 people, people that I, I, you know, I talked to maybe once a year. I haven't talked to in three years. I'm like, hey, I just launched this video course. Would love if you could support it. And of course, there's people that just don't respond. Mm-hmm. I know. I get it. It's fine. But then there are the people that do respond and share it out, right? But if I didn't have that courage to just say, screw it, I'm, I'm, I don't care to be judged. I don't care if people ignore me. I'm going to ask for what I want in life. And if I don't get it, then so be it. I can live knowing I at least went for it. So I think that's been something I've learned with building these relationships is, and as you're learning as a podcast host, you got to ask. You got to throw yourself out there. You got to slide in the DM. You got to send the cold email. And as long as you keep replicating that mindset and that process, you're going to, as you said before, you're just one relationship away from getting to the thing you want. You're inevitably going to get to it because you're building this muscle in your mind of just asking for what you want. And um, I think it's also too just paying attention about the way you ask for things and not coming from a place of needy or forcing it. Every time I've ever asked something, it's very short, simple, straight to the point. And I've always given people an out where at the end I'll say, you know, if this doesn't make sense, all good. Or I don't make it feel like it's expected. I always give people an opportunity to to exit out if that's not something that they're aligned with. And that's has seemed to work well and not put people in this awkward position where they feel obligated to do something that they don't want to do. Yeah, absolutely. That genuine That genuine approach always shines through. Yes. I think that people feel energy, right? It's it's, yep. it's so big. And it's like, I love that you bring that up too, because the power of asking, I had Jay Klaus on my podcast a, a few, uh, a week back or so. And he he pretty much said that the one thing that he would tell himself if, if he could go back was to like ask, ask more, like just mm. be really curious about, about asking. And for us meeting the first time we met, I reached out to you because I, that's just a habit I've incorporated so much into my life. And it's been like, it's been a game changer because you really don't understand or the people that are listening, it's like, you can meet with the people that are, you're inspired by. You can, you can chat with them. You can talk to them. It's like, there's, if you don't ask, then you'll never know. I'm curious where that courage did come from. For me, I feel that courage comes from the knowing that this is the opportunity. I feel mm-hmm. that the, the, the biggest failure is failing to try. That's just the first thing that pops up for me. And so I do whatever I feel needs to be done. Where, yeah. where do you think that comes from? I think the courage is something that's built over time, right? Yeah. So I've consistently been asking people, Hey, do you have time to be on my podcast? Like, you know, please, I'd love you for you to be on the show. I'd say when I first started my podcast career, I was very aware of the fact that nobody's going to say yes to this podcast. If there's no, like, if they, if there's no connection, they have no idea who I am. It's going to be very hard for them to say yes when I don't even have one episode out. So I knew from the beginning, I'm going to spend the first 15 to 20 episodes focused only on people that I know. And I'm going to build some type of momentum and proof of concept that this podcast is the next best thing. And I'll never forget, I sent my first cold email to a guy by the name of Tim LaRue. Shout out to him if you somehow ever hear this. And he uh, 
at the time he was living in New York City, he was a big music guy in Boston, like growing up with Dylan, paying attention to the music scene in Boston. This was the guy, he was running his own blog. And Tim LaRue was that guy of Boston. And I remember I sent him a cold email, no connection, nobody. Like I dug in the internet to find his email. And he hit me back within not, not long. And he was just like, you know, straight to the point. He was just like, really, I checked out the first episode. I love the concept. Would love to be on the show. I don't live in Boston anymore. I live in New York. Let me know if you're ever in New York. We'll go from there. And fast forward about five, six months later, I ended up being in New York on tour with Dylan and we did the podcast. But it was that little moment where I was like, I got a taste of it. I got mm -hmm. a taste of you ask for something that you want. You're respectful about it. You communicate it. Your mind, you know, you, you, you do this in a professional manner. Yeah. And you got someone to bite on what you asked for. So once again, I think it was that if we're talking in context to like, I think there are moments in my life where I had to build courage, but I think we talk about getting me to where I am today, specifically in the last six years, that one email was the green light for me of like, oh, he responded. Mm. I'm going to start asking anybody and everybody. <laughs> I mean, I remember days where I'd spend an hour on my IG sliding in to every DM of guests that I wanted to be on. And some people never read it. Some people liked it. Some people just didn't respond. I was like, I got nothing to lose. So I really do believe courage is something that is built over time. It's through repetition. And you got to take those first initial steps to build some momentum to building that courage. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you brought the, you brought up the fact that it's, it's just starting is I think yes. is a hurdle for most people, right? It's just starting. And yep. because the, the longer you put something off, the more insurmountable it seems in your mind. Yep. What, what, is there a keystone habit that is really stuck for you, whether that's just to create boundaries in your life or that's to create courage or something that's really just been a keystone habit that's, that's helped you get to where you are today and, and sustain that even more importantly? Yeah. I think it's, I think it's even something I'm focusing on even like life's funny, man. I think as you develop like anything, you get more narrow and you get more specific about whatever that thing is. Yeah. And I'd say like even recently going into the new year, a habit of mine that kind of was really top of mind uh, was boundaries around like, what am I truly committing myself to? And I've gotten really good at that, James, the last couple of years, like really good. I know I am far more mindful of it than I think the average Joe doesn't make me better. It's just like, because of Uber, I get mindful of my time, blah, 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 right. blah, blah. But I'd say like that, that like, thought of what am I committing myself to? And do I actually want to do it? The amount of times in my life that I get invited to something, I'm like, I do not want to do this, but yes, yeah, sign me up. I'll do it. Yeah. And then I dread going to the thing. And then I dread being there. No, excuse me. I commit. I regret. I regret later that week. Cause I know I committed. I regret all the way up to getting to the event, being at the event after the event weeks after the event. It's just all just a mess. Yeah. And, um, I think that was like something that I got tried to get really good at and, I, and I've gotten really good at the last couple of years. And now I feel like last year I was like 90, 95% fully doing the things that I want, but there's still that 5% and that's something I'm working on this year. But um, I think that habit alone, if you can master that, you're never going to be in a position of doing things that you don't want to do. And that doesn't mean when we're talking work and things to pay your bills, that's different. You got to do the things to get by, but it, it's more so about like the people you surround yourself with, the events, like how you spend your free time. I'm very mm -hmm. strict on those boundaries. And it's something that I just 
I will not allow people to overstep. Yeah, man. I mean, you, the, the classic saying that you are the five people you surround yourself most with, right? I mean, I've seen you with JT Barnett, Jordan Tarver's coming on the show uh, in a few days. And it's like, it's, it's surrounding yourself with people that raise your frequency. It raise who you think you are. And then the the, the actions are are, are part of that, I think, right? You're, you're, you have done some, some crazy things over, over throughout this podcast. We've, we've talked about a lot of them. I'm curious for you, if you could go back to say your 18, 18 year old self, 18 year old Bobby, what advice would you give them? Maybe what skill would you, you wish you would have developed earlier? What, what, if anything could change, what, what would that be? How old are you? 19. Yeah. You, you, you got a whole dude. I'm a decade older than you, bro. You're so far ahead of where I was when I was 19, man. Good for you. You're, you're, you're crushing already. Um, I think the one thing that I, I don't regret, but I know is the thing that I would tell myself is to truly follow your interests. I remember being in high school. I took my video one class and I loved it. I loved creating. I love shooting videos and it makes sense now. Fast forward to where I am today, but I stopped and I didn't take the video two or the video three class because none of my homies were taking the advanced level classes. And I don't know what of that, how, like how that might've changed my career or um, my, the way my life went, because even it, it came down to a decision before I went to Bentley, I went to a school called LaSalle university for a year before transferring to Bentley. I had gotten into another school in Boston called Emerson. Now this is a creative school. Mm-hmm. but because I kind of became molded and no disrespect to the people I was around, but like everyone was talking about business school and like, yeah. you know, driving a fancy car. And I'm like, okay, well I need to go to business school. I shouldn't go to creative school. Maybe I would have had the confidence to say, no, I'm going to creative school because I took the video two, three and four class. So if I had to tell myself anything, it's just truly follow your interests. And, you know, fast forward a decade later, I, I truly live that and breathe that. But it took some confidence and some time for me to stop giving a shit what other people around me are doing and to truly just like listen to that internal uh, gut of what is it that you want to do. And uh, yeah, that's been really important. Yeah. It's that internal knowing that this is, this is where I should be going. Right. It's like in, in high school for you is the same thing for sports, right? Like you were really there for community, not more really for the, the sports in, in itself. Exactly. <laughs> and, my, man, my man does his homework. <laughs> so it's, 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 it's funny how like those things really all come back down to that, that financial or that true understanding that we're going towards this thing that feels right. Yes. For you, how, how were you able to build that confidence throughout that, like to really make that jump? And then also throughout that period of time, what was the biggest lesson that you've learned? To, to let me just to be clear, uh, the jump for really taking that step into f- pursuing your passion because I think mm. that you're you're the true representation of pursue your passions. Yeah, right? that's yeah, that's that's a good question. It's it, it. What's interesting is I don't know if this psychologically was the healthiest decision that I made, <laughs> but when I decided I was going to do this podcast, as I said earlier in this podcast, I told myself I'm either going to make it with this podcast or I'm going to die trying to, to to do it. So that was that was the initial like I'm gonna try this thing, mm-hmm. and then that gave me the confidence to then try all these other things along the way. But I don't know if that was the healthiest approach. But I think when you commit like that, there is no other option. There's no Plan B. There's no 
it's almost the burn the ships mentality, right? Yeah, like you burn exactly. the ships, there's no way off the island. You got to move forward. You got to figure it out. And I think that's kind of the position I put myself in. Were there times that I wanted to quit the podcast, give up? Of course, I hit the wall. I'd hit the wall. And I was writing about it early today. I like literally would have breakdowns, bawling my eyes out on the side of the road, just like not sure what the hell was, what was the next step or what was going to happen. And uh, no matter what though, I just told myself, you got to keep going. You got to just focus on the next episode. Maybe you got to slow down a little bit, take a week off. Fine, do it. But you need to stay focused. So I think it's just that that full unapologetic commitment in your mind that this is what I want to do and I'm going to see what happens and sticking to it and giving it time to fruition. Because if I said, I'm going to be a podcaster, but I'm going to try it for three months and if I don't blow up, I'm out. Well, that's not fair. You don't control to a certain extent the results of how many people are going to listen, but you can control how much you show up. So I think for me, it was just that unapologetic all-in mindset that can definitely be unhealthy depending on what you're going all in on. But I think for me, it was the best decision and it's what allowed me to just say, I'm going, I'm going for it and nothing, nobody is going to stop him, stop me from actually pursuing this. Yeah. Yeah. It's like really creating those boundaries. It's like, like you said, for, for high school, it was not allowing the, the crowd mentality, I guess you say the, the herd yeah. mentality of going towards what other people feel is what they should be doing. Uh, that, that, that should mentality of this is what I should be doing. Right. It was, it was trusting that internal, the internal narrative one, but also the, the gut instinct that I have a gift to be here. I should be doing something. And it is more, is my moral obligation to go towards doing that. And if yep. I don't, I'm doing a disservice to the world, it yep. seems. And especially starting in purpose in the youth, it's like, that was the time for you to figure out your passion. I think a lot of people don't understand or don't know that. Right. Yeah. yeah. That was the, I mean, that was how it started, man. It was me just unsure of what the hell do I want to do with my life now that I graduated college. And that's why I started interviewing entrepreneurs, DJs, music producers, photographers, designers, models. I was mm. just trying to understand like, how the hell did all of you guys and gals find your passion? Because I'm 22. I thought college was going to teach me how to figure it out. And I still haven't figured it out at yeah. that time. And that's what allowed me to find the passion along the way, which was continuing to do what I was doing just through my own voice and my own channel. So um, it started truly as just the vehicle to me finding out what was that I wanted to do with my life. And along the way, I figured out it was what I was already doing just at a bigger scale. And here we are today, six, seven years later. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, you've been in the game for for a very very long time. Not just the entrepreneurial space, but the the self development space, even mm. right. Like really pursuing your passions, but also um, building that relationship with yourself. Yeah, I'm curious for you over this in, entire period of time. I mean, you've been in it for ten years plus. Like, what has taken? What has the lesson been that's taken you the longest to learn? <sighs> the importance of balance. Yeah, I, I don't regret those first three years, podcaster by day, Uber driver by night, but I neglected certain areas of my life. And yeah. the one thing I learned was just because your career is in a great spot doesn't mean that translates to everything else in your life. Yeah, And that was a hard lesson I had to learn. So for me, like you need to me speaking to myself, like you need to continue to carve out time for all aspects of your life and not let anything get neglected. Mm -hmm. It's almost like thinking of a foundation of a house, right? If you're the home, if your mental, physical well-being is the home, all the pillars in that foundation need to be strong. If any of them cave, the whole thing collapses. And I think 
for a long time, I really believed I'm just going to focus on the career and me and money. And I'm going to ignore these other important pillars such as experiences, hobbies, dating, friendships. I'm just going to ignore it because it doesn't matter. Fast forward, it does matter and you have to rebuild and you have to figure those things out. So I think that was the thing that took me the longest is that, and that's evolved into everything that I'm doing today, which is, you know, a great question. Um, Cause it leads right into like the, the version of me now is that is like showing people like you can live in balance while building your dreams and also living in an incredible life that's full of experiences. And um, yeah, it just took me some, some really tough times to figure out that balance really is important for me. And uh, yeah, it's why I create what I create today. Yeah. It's a big value of yours. And you can tell you talk a whole lot about it through your content. I know yeah. there's a, a question that I, it's been really continuously popping up for me from James Clear. And it's the question is, what are you optimizing for? And, mm -hmm. and, and, and like you said, you, if you could go back, you wouldn't not do that. Yeah. But it's the lesson that you learned throughout doing it that you realized I might be optimizing for growth right now for like the, the structure of building the house. But then after those three years, you realize that it's not sustainable. Yeah. Uh, you, you need to simplify, you need to optimize. And that's, that's what you're doing today. What, what tips would you give to my audience to help them not only optimize their time, but really take on that mindset that you just spoke about? Yeah, it's, it, you know, I don't, I don't want to plug myself up, but it, it literally like is exactly why I developed this Maximize Your Minute video course, which is helping people realize that you can get a lot of things done in your life while living a balanced life and actually be in the driver's seat of your life and stop feeling like you're getting pulled in all these different directions. So in the video course that I developed, it's all about like, and this is the tip, like get clear on what are the habits or priorities or things that matter most to you if that's working out, if that's meditation, if that's hanging with friends, if that's dating, whatever it is, get clear on what are those things. That's step one. Step two is implement it into your schedule. Put it down, write it down, because if you don't, you're gonna continue to push it off. So write it down and, and make this, if it's a daily thing, make it daily. If it's weekly, make it weekly. If it's three times a week, make it three times a week. But just figure out what works for you and know that you can always adjust that in the future. And then thirdly, create those boundaries. Like we've been talking about in this conversation, find ways to block out anything and everything that is going to interrupt your schedule that you've developed for yourself, that you've designed for the ideal version of you and make sure that nothing gets in the way. And I think if you can do that, you're going to continue to make adjustments. Maybe you go from working out three days a week to four, or you go from four to three, or maybe you realize I don't like meditate, you know, you're going to change. That's fine. But your day is always going to be aligned with what really matters to you. And I think that is the tip is like, ask yourself, does your day align with your priorities? If not, something needs to change. And this is the course that hopefully can be the thing to help you do that. I love it, man. We, 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 we align in a lot of ways when it comes to our coaching, because at the end of the day, it's the intentionality that we bring to our days. Yeah. Allow for us to be able to optimize our time, to maximize our minutes, to really take what we have and then create leverage through it. Um, yeah. and, and exactly, it's exactly what you're doing. The last question I ask every, um, guest that comes on the show is one that really encapsulates what this podcast is all about. And it's really shifting our beliefs around what's possible. You're doing that in the way that you show people, you can create something outside of just your job and optimize your time. You can do a lot more than you think you can. And the question is what belief are you currently unlearning? Hmm. that I have a ceiling to my growth. 
And uh, it's very easy to, I'm going to, I mean, speaking from the truth, right? I've, I've, I've been fortunate to surround myself with, with some really intelligent people. And there's times that I catch myself slipping where I'm like, I'm comparing myself to them. I'm like, I'm not as smart as them. I'm not as articulate as them. I don't use big, as big vocabulary as them, blah, blah, blah. But all that is, is it's just, I'm limiting myself to what my growth potential is. I think the one thing that I can honestly say that I know to be truthful is I really hope that I come across as an average Joe for a lot of people. Like I, once again, I'm not the most vocabulary type of guy. I don't have these like formulas that I develop. Like this is the three-step formula and this is, I'm your average Joe that has just found a way to stay consistent, build a life that he's aligned with and like wants to help others do the same. And uh, I really hope that resonates in the authenticity and, and what people will see and hear from me. But I'm really trying to break through that ceiling because there shouldn't be a ceiling. The growth and my opportunity for whatever I vision for my life is limitless. It is whatever I want it to be, it can be. The only thing that is going to stop me is my beliefs and my ability to stay consistent. So as long as I, as I remind myself there actually really is no ceiling, I will continue to grow. And uh, I hope that everything that I do do can also help people within their own belief system as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really glad that I'm really glad that you brought that up because neither of us are experts. We're no. just people that have taken the lessons that we've learned from our life, that the the values that we we have and the the skills that we've acquired to help other people do the same thing. That's why we're podcast hosts. We, we, we want to learn from the experts, right? hundred <laughs> percent. I always tell people that whenever I'm in like a deep conversation with somebody, I'm like, listen, by the way, I'm not an expert. Sorry about that. People are calling. My mom's calling me. Shout out to my mom. I wasn't, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be here if she mom. ever hears this. Mom's trying to FaceTime the kid. Um, yeah. But seriously, if, it, if, if um, I lost what I was just going to say. Uh, About being, uh, us not being the experts, but us being Oh, sorry. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you for dragging me back. Um, gotcha. You know, that's what I always tell people. I'm not the expert. I'm just speaking from my experience. I used to run with, this is my bearded wisdom. I, I kind of leaned away from the bearded branding. <laughs> But um, yeah. truly, I'm not an expert. I'm just speaking from experience and my own perspective. Yeah, man. I I'm truly grateful to have you on the show. I know that this this was a very, very valuable episode. So we may not be experts, but we do have a lot of information that I hope that the audience has got a lot from today. If they need to find you, where can they find you, Bobby? By the way, your links will be in the description. Thank you, brother. Um, you can find me on all socials just at Bob A, B-O, three B's, four A's and a Y. Uh, you can find me there and I think it'll be pretty simple. TikTok, IG, all, all the good stuff. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm truly grateful to have you on the show, Bobby. I, I know that they got a lot of value and appreciate you, brother. Thank you. James, thanks for having me. I do have one favor to ask. If you're That's listening right. to this podcast and you listen to James, you need to go on. If you're on iTunes, write it there. If you're on Spotify, do it there. But leave this man a review because every single review helps. And it's extremely important for the amount of work he's putting in to producing these episodes the amount of due diligence he's doing to behind the scenes work for the guests. Like this man's the real deal. If you're listening and you enjoy it, please leave this man a review because it will help his show grow and he damn well deserves it. I appreciate you, brother. You, you always do that on every podcast. You, you really show that you're, you're, you've listened to, or you've read how to win friends and influence people. You're showing the love. I, I appreciate you, brother. That's what it's all about. Bro. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Thank you again. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Oh, 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 oh,